Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Somebody who knows all about the Smythe Division battles back when the division still existed. Former Edmonton Oilers goaltender, Hockey Hall of Fame member, hockey legend, an all-around good guy. It's Grant Fuhr. Grant, thanks for dropping by. Oh, my pleasure. Winnipeg Jets, what does that make you think of? Uh, A lot of good memories. I mean, we had a lot of luck going through Winnipeg, so it's just one of those teams where we had their number pretty well. Talk to Dave Ellett a few months ago when the Jets were going into the, the, the conference final and uh, he said you know they, if we would if we could have switched goalies in a lot of those games we might have done a little better because the, the Oilers had you and they had well several different guys throughout that decade yeah they burned through a couple goalies back then Pokey Reddick Daniel Berthium Mark Barron uh, missing a couple too but uh, I mean, they had a, they had pretty good offensive players too. I mean, Howard Chuck had some peak years there. You know what? They had some great teams. I mean, if you look at the Smite division back then, the three best, probably three of the four best teams of the league were in the same division. There was us, Calgary, and Winnipeg, and any one of the three teams could have won a cup. Right. Grant, thanks for dropping in this afternoon. Uh, this is this is so cool. Tomorrow at Rogers Place, making cocoa will make its Edmonton premiere. I'll have my my talk show there, Inside Sports, from six to eight, so that'll be fun. Uh, I've seen the film. I, I mean, it's it's awesome, and I loved seeing. Uh, I was telling you during the commercial some parts about your career, some things I didn't know, and some parts I kind of had forgotten. Where it's like, oh yeah, I forgot that that he did that significant thing or did that for that team. I won't I won't spoil some of the stuff, but. Grant, uh, I mean, and Adam Scorgi is, is here as well, the producer, and, and people come to you and say, Grant, we want to make a movie, and it's about you. Like, what's the first thing that goes through your mind? Well, originally, I just kind of chuckled about it. I mean, it's kind of, I didn't really think that seriously about it, and then Donnie Metz kept asking, and I get to know Adam a little bit, and when having those two want to do it, and the fact that it was a good time to do it. Why was this the right time, do you think? I'm comfortable with where I'm at in life. And I think that's the biggest thing. If you're going to have your life kind of dissected and thrown on a big screen, you better be comfortable with it. I mean, the first time I saw it was on a cell phone. It was easy to watch on a cell phone. On a big screen, it was a little tougher to watch. Yeah. Well, it's going to be a big one tomorrow at the hockey ring for sure. I'll just bring Adam in quickly here. Uh, Adam, uh, I mean, there are so many great stories in sports, so many great stories here in Edmonton. But what made Grant the one for you that needed to be told now? Well, it's one of those ones where I have to be passionate about what I'm going to do before, because every project takes, you know, a year or two by the time you start and you get into it. So Donna brought it to me, and I, of course, grew up following the Oilers, knowing who Grant was, but I didn't, like many people that see the film, didn't really know his story. But then when you look into it and all the things that he did for the league and, you know, inspiring other athletes, you know, being the first man of color in the Hall of Fame and to win a Stanley Cup and, you know, really the first black superstar in the NHL, I was like, man, how did I not want to do the story earlier? And then when you meet Grant, you know, like he said, like we're bugging him. He's like, well, if you guys 
think there's a cool enough story there. Like, I'm like, man, there's a cool enough story. <laughs> yeah, like, I think so. I, yeah, I want to do it. And he's like, okay. And then, you know, I, I have, I, I don't think I've told Grant this, but I've told this in other interviews. I geeked out where we're on the first conference call and Grant just had to stop the call. I was like, Adam, I just want to tell you, I watch Ice Guardians and I loved it. And I'm thrilled you're doing my story. And, you know, as I'm, I'm trying not to fan out. I'm like, well, thank you very much. I really appreciate that. But like, <laughs> behind there, I'm like, put it on mute. I'm like, that's amazing. Right. So it was, it was really cool. And when the opportunity presented itself i jumped at it to be able to do it well we're gonna we're gonna get into that when, when we get back because the making coco does cover everything it's not just uh here's all the good things that happened to grant i mean grant you, you deal oh, with no, some challenges and some obstacles too we didn't sugarcoat anything so yeah. it's life as it is my name is reed wilkins grant fewer and adam scorgy are in studio of course the new film is making coco it's about grant adam's the producer guys thanks for coming in tomorrow it's being shown at rogers place okay uh feral is the trivia winner uh, who has the most games played as a goaltender for the Edmonton Oilers? Now, Grant, you knew it wasn't you. I knew it wasn't me. <laughs> uh, I think you got it on your second or third guess. Uh, and the callers took, we took about a dozen callers, and it was Bill Ranford. Which makes sense to me. Billy was here for a while and played a lot of games. 449, uh, you played 423 as an Oiler, so he just edged you out. You, you were second. And Talbot's playing 200 tonight. He's keeping that one for a while because I'm not coming back. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're not coming back to get the record. If it was one or two games, maybe you could get thrown in and, and get some minutes that way. Uh, but uh, probably not the plan. Uh, Grant, thanks again for coming in. Making Coco is 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 fabulous, and uh, uh, you know, hopefully, people are going tomorrow. And, and Adam will talk to you in a bit about getting it out there too, because that's a fascinating part of your business. Uh, Grant, let, let's dive into this. You, you don't you don't shy away. From anything in the film? Nope, no um, hiding. You, you talk about the suspension. Uh, you talk about the the cocaine use. Uh, but uh, and I mean, I'm not I'm not trying to you know condone it or or minimize it. But um, do you do you feel that it's important to clarify that it was cocaine use and not abuse? Yeah, I think part of it's that. I mean. Whether you use, abuse, doesn't matter. It was wrong either way. So it's just nice to clarify it and actually get the truth of it out. I mean, there's always been a lot of guessing and such going on. So it's good to get the truth out. Uh, you know, that, that was obviously tough for you because there was punishment levied to you that, and, and perhaps you didn't get the opportunity to present... Would you say you didn't get the opportunity to present the facts as, as you believe them at that time? Um, let's, I, the predetermination of what the suspension was going to be was already done. So whether I laid the facts out or not at that time wouldn't have mattered. It was punished first and foremost, and that's all they were worried about. Mm-hmm. All right. What, do you ever uh, have you ever spoken to other athletes who you know might be in that situation or maybe might, who might be using a substance that? Maybe isn't the best for their lives or careers. Have you found yourself in that mentor role at all? I've had conversations with a few different guys in different sports where they're not sure whether you go to the league or not, whether you find somebody to go to, whether you go to the league, and they're hesitant to go to the league just because leagues, their first and foremost thought was to punish. I mean, now they've got a program in place where they try to help the players. There's, I think there's still some work to do there, but at the same time, it's a big step from where it was when I played. So I think there's more and more of it, but I don't think there's the trust factor still. I don't think the players actually trust the league to actually help them. 
Adam, it was important for you that that be be told in this as well. Well, just, you know, you have to, as you've heard the director, Don Metz, say often, you have to have conflict and resolution and celebration. And, you know, going into this, if we didn't do that, I know from a movie critic standpoint, every critic is going to hammer you and be like, oh, how do you miss, like, this part in there, right? Like, how do you... So we talked to Grant, but Grant, as he said, he's so comfortable in his life, and he he took this on the chin back in the 80s where he, you know, went on talk shows and allowed callers to voice their opinion, which you just don't see athletes doing, that when we brought it to him, we were almost nervous as a production team, like, okay, like, we got to, Grant, we got to, and Grant was just like, man, I've, I've already lived through this, and knowing the ending, it's not going to be that tough to go through it again. <laughs> you, you know how it ends, so you're not changing it uh, 27 years ago or whatever it is. But then as you saw, Reed, in the film, what we didn't know once we discovered how it all went down, like, you're almost like, oh my God, this is perfect film. Like, once you realize how the suspension happened, that it was simply his own admittance, never arrested, never caught with it, never failed a drug test. Like, compared to what athletes are doing now, you're like, are you kidding me? This would never fly today. So it, it's one of those things when once you undis- once you discovered the truth and the, the, the minutia, the details, you're like, oh, this only makes it more on Grant's side to just celebrate how he took it on the chin for uh, the entire league, in my opinion. Yeah. Because the next... Um, NHL players negotiation they put in something to protect the players that wasn't punished first in 96 when that happened yeah uh, Grant you're black uh, some days <laughs> not, not, not a news flash uh, my powers of observation never cease but, but you do talk about that in the movie and you know hockey's been a predominantly white sport but you, you said for the most part you never felt uh, you know excluded diff- made to feel different or anything like that uh, but I mean hockey does have you can play a very important program and you know I know that the Canadian Football League has diversity as strength I want to get this from you because sometimes listeners will say to me well, why why do we need to say this why do, why do we need to point out diversity why don't we why don't we just have it why do we have to publicize all this stuff but well why is that important though grant to actually have these programs and initiatives unfortunately society hasn't really gone in that direction it, the last oh five six seven years it started to take some steps backwards and hockey is a game they want to grow the game for everybody and i think they've made great strides with the diversity program hockey is for everyone where they want to bring it to places where it's not natural for the kids to play hockey so i think as they've grown that program the more you see of it the more kids are starting to play and the more diverse the game has got which is only going to make the game better in the long run uh, well that that's that, that's that, that's a really good explanation and i mean and, and jerome mcginley is in the film saying how he looked up to you as a youngster watching in the nhl you must love to hear that it's nice when you're older i mean at the time i didn't really think of it you're just one of the guys trying to establish yourself and play for as long as you can so at that time i you didn't really pay as much attention to it but as I've gotten older and such, you see, you know, I've gotten to know a lot of the guys that played. Billy Riley was here at Edmonton in training camp with me back oh, early 80s. Uh, I got to know Tony McKegney really well. Mm-hmm. Mike Marson played. Uh, guys like Willie O'Ree, Val James. I mean, Val went through the real tough stuff through the minors, where they played in a lot of the U.S. cities where it was really prevalent. And he put up with a lot of the abuse. So a lot of those guys paved the way for me to play where it wasn't really a big issue. Right. Grant Fewer and Adam Scorgey in studio. The movie Making Coco will be shown at Rogers Place tomorrow night at 7.30. Adam, there are, are still some tickets available. You said <laughs> I, a, I a believe, few? I believe. I don't know after the media today, but there is only... So what people don't seem to understand is that they've done a special configuration for the screening and brought in a giant theater. So it's only one quarter of the arena. So people right. are like, oh, I'll get my tickets a day of. No, there's only a couple hundred tickets available as of yesterday. And we've been doing media all day today. So there's probably very few left. And I said this on other interviews. It's 
not a sales gimmick. This is a once-in-a-lifetime experience to experience it this way on your home ice with friends and fans, giant screen, 2,500 people. We're going to be checking to see if it's a Canadian record for a documentary interview, and then afterwards, you get to have a hot stove with Grant, Kevin Lowe, Craig McTavish, and Craig Simpson hosting. Like Me, even as a producer, I'm geeking out to watch a film I've worked on with this many people and them on stage, so I'm excited to go. My kids are going. Like, Go to Rogers and get the remaining tickets if you can, because trust me, it's not going to be the same watching it on TV or on the airplanes or on VOD down the road. Right, which you are going to get done, just we'll like you did it. with the ice But cards. you're not going to see it for months on those platforms, so if you miss it right. here, it's going to be a while. It's going to be a while. Grant, uh, you know, you, there's are so many highlights of your saves and a couple goals against, unfortunately, of your Happens. saves in making Coco with, with Oilers and with, with other teams. Uh, I, I'm going to throw one at you here. I don't know if I've ever asked you this. We've done a few interviews in the last few years. Do you have a favorite or most memorable save from your career? Um, not really. No? I mean, you, you try and mem- remember all of them, but at the same time, there's no one save that really stands out. I mean, it was just fun playing every day. And I think some of the better saves were probably in practice against some of the guys. So <laughs> that's the fun part. Did you ever stop Rob Brown? He just walked in. Yeah, I got to stop Brownie a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's funny because Rob uh, often tells a story about being uh, Dominic Hasek's teammate. And Hasek, like, hated to be scored on even in practice. And I, I can't remember which former teammate in, in the documentary mentions that you, you weren't a fan of that either, even in no, practice. No, it's that stuff they put on you, the equipment. Just kind of gives you that attitude. You really don't enjoy being scored on, so it makes it a little competition and maybe a dollar or two traded hands. You have a little bit of fun with it. I can't remember who it was in St. Louis that told us about. They're like, oh, he used to tease Chaser and Twister. He'd be like, here, guys, net's open, net's open, take a shot, and then and he'd go in and swoop it out, and they're like, you jerk. <laughs> maybe a little better language than that. Yeah, yeah, I, I'm, I'm trying to be PG here for the show. Let me ask you this, Grant. When, when you watch, uh, I'll, I'll use the term modern goaltending, for lack of a better term. Not that you're some blast from the past. but when, I'm old. <laughs> when you watch modern goaltending, do you think to yourself, yeah, that's the position I played, or do you see something totally different and evolved? No, it's the same position, but as the equipment evolves, the guys get bigger, they're better athletes. Bigger equipment, you can play more positionally. You don't have to be as athletic. And the game went, unfortunately, to a defensive where you hook and hold and that sort of thing for a while. So you could play angles and not have to be athletic. But I think as you watch the last couple of years, guys have had to be more athletic again because there's no more hooking and holding. Well, when that happens, the offensive players get a chance to shine a little more, which is going to force goalies to be more athletic again. Right. Uh, I, I had your former teammate, Andy Moog, on, on Inside Sports last week uh, when Brian Elliott came out with the article saying... He got a bruise? He got a bruise because there's not enough padding. What would you, you think of that, Grant? I got a pretty good kick out of that, actually. I don't know what a day would be without a bruise. <laughs> little, little, Totally different. I mean, are you... Are, do you th- are you? I assume you support. We got to streamline the equipment. We can't have saves just because there's padding everywhere. Well, I think you just make it a little heavier. Guys will knock it down to the right size on their own. But oh, interesting. The fact that there's some bruises in the game. I grew up with bruises. That's just the way the game was. It was part of the position. So I mean, you, you can't get it so big where it takes away from the game. I mean, yeah, players have got composite sticks and such now, but they shoot the puck better. They don't handle the puck better. So with that, in that sense. They gave up something. You go to smaller equipment, you go to heavier equipment, guys will make it smaller. 
All right, so the film's being shown tomorrow at Roger's Place. Uh, there's going to be a lot of Oilers alumni there. Some of many of your ex-teammates have... Is this going to be the first time for them seeing the film in its entirety? Adam, have, has anybody seen it? Uh, yeah, well, I know I know Lowe has seen it. Uh, I think Simpson had seen a rough cutter early one. I don't think Mac T is, but I know a lot of people have waited because they wanted to see it in this experience. And I can tell you, just going from the audience that we had in Toronto during TIFF or the Calgary Film Festival, it's been, and Grant can contest it, it's a different experience with each audience. Like, TIFF, we had a lot of buyers, so some of the humor was lost on them. Oh, okay. Certain things were not there, whereas Calgary was much more... More hum- fans. Yeah, it was more fans. Okay, what was you- that like for you, Grant, sitting in a theater watching a movie about yourself? Did you enjoy that? The first time, not so much. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I saw it on a cell phone the first time, and it was like, okay, this will be all right. A little different on a big screen. But no, it was... It gets more comfortable each time. Okay. But it, but it was a lot of fun. Guys, uh, thanks so much for coming in. I, I know you're doing uh, such great work and, and promoting the film, and obviously it's 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 not going to stop. Adam, we're, you're going to drop by Fort Hall hopefully tomorrow. Yeah, we'll I'll talk see you a tomorrow. Bit, you'll, we'll talk a little bit more about the process of getting it to as many eyeballs as possible, though I know Oilers fans are, are going to want to see it for sure. How do people get tickets if they still want to grab the few So left? you can go on our social media handles if you go to, uh, you know, on Twitter, at Making Coco, or Facebook, Making Coco, The Grand Fear Story, or mine. I posted the link a million times or go to the Rogers Place website. It's all over there. Oilers have put it out on all their stuff. Pretty easy to find if you go Edmonton premiere of Making Coco. It, it's been promoted very well and all different. If you go there, yeah, there's only a couple hundred yesterday and I know we've been hammering it all day today and I, I'm truly saying from the bottom of my heart, this is not a sales gimmick. If you love great sports documentaries and you want to see a compelling, you know, uh, just a compelling story about a great man and a great athlete, you want to see it in this venue, in this atmosphere. Don't wait for it on your TV or your the best ways to go see it. I'm excited. Go get your tickets while there's still some to get. Adam, thanks for coming in. My pleasure. Thanks for having me on. Grant, great to see you as well. Thanks for your time. Oh, my pleasure.